Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Hi everyone, it's Michael with Weedy. Just to let you know, next week, uh, Matthew will be back with a brand new episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT. In the meantime, from our July Summer Forum, answering the Healthcare Challenge 2030 with our dear friend Steve Posnack, Deputy National Coordinator at ONC. I'm going to keep going. Uh, again, thanks very much for having me at the, the forum. I'm going to talk about answering the healthcare challenge for 2030, as was uh, alluded to in the, the opening remarks uh, about what I was going to try to, to cover with you all this morning and, and really get the, the forum started for uh, many of the other sessions that you've got ongoing. So just quickly about ONC, for those of you that may not know all the details, uh, we are part of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, we're in what's called the Office of the Secretary, so many of you know the um, sister agencies that we have that are the name brand ones like CMS, you know, for all of the administrative and payment uh, related rules, CDC, FDA, they're what we call operating divisions. Um, and they have, you know, much larger missions, big budgets, um, and, you know, just do a whole lot for the country from an HHS perspective. Uh, my office uh, does the same. Uh, and I would say, you know, as, a, as, a, as you probably saw that, that, uh, that, that a contemplative pause for me. I was like, I think we have a pretty big mission now <laughs> and in what we do in comparison to, you know, where we started uh, in, in 2004, which is when we were created under an executive order by President Bush. Um, as many of you know, as, as health IT historians, uh, we were uh, codified in law as part of the Recovery Act, uh, the High Tech Act in specific. And uh, we've been operating, you know, ever since, uh, trying to advance the uh, nation's interoperability and health IT adoption efforts. And then as, as part of the 21st Century Cures Act in 2016, uh, we received new authorities from Congress, and uh, that included changes to our certification program, uh, updates related to a focus on information sharing and the exceptions uh, for information blocking, and there's a whole provision, a new provision in the law associated with that. Uh, thankfully, given the topic of today's conversation, I'm not going to uh, go go on and on about the uh, information blocking exceptions, but uh, there are webinars that are available recorded on, on healthit.gov that you can consult as well, and uh, many other opportunities uh, from our policy experts to, to talk about that too. Okay, so when you think about ONC um, and you look at the activities and objectives that we have, uh, just to give you a, a rundown and a real simple flow of, of what we focus on on a day-to-day -day basis and how we organize our work and our thinking, and effectively what we do for the nation. Uh, so we've got three things that we are, are really core to our efforts and our heart, uh, and, and that's standards, certification, and exchange. And uh, they're not mutually exclusive categories. I know many of you in your day job probably uh, dabble in each of those categories. Uh, a little bit of standards work, um, you know, X12, NCPDP, HL7, uh, the work that you all do uh, at, at Weedy as well. Um, we do our work uh, throughout many of those SEOs, among others. Um, and then we do work, as, as Charles mentioned earlier, uh, and this stems from the, the High Tech Act in 2009, we administer the ONC Health IT Certification Program, uh, the meaningful use uh, phases, as it's no longer called meaningful use anymore, but the, the general promoting and operability efforts that, that CMS references, as well as many others now uh, related to the adoption of certified health IT. And then we also focus on exchange. And so, you know, one component of the 21st Century Cures Act uh, that you all have probably seen uh, recent news about is around the Trusted Exchange Framework and Common Agreement. Uh, we are aiming through our collaborative work with the Sequoia Project, who functions as the recognized coordinating entity for us, uh, to uh, get the 
common agreements and uh, the exchange methods and modes of exchange through that uh, alive in Q1 of 2022. So not that far away um, by any stretch of the imagination. And that will, again, advance the nation's capacity for electronic health information exchange. Now, can we do this alone? Absolutely not, which is why, uh, you know, we have the Office of the National Coordinator uh, as part of our middle name. Um, we do work at both the, the federal level from a coordination perspective. So, you know, numerous federal agencies uh, with whom we have working relationships. And uh, we also work, uh, especially in this time period, with our partners at the state level and um, in, in across, you know, the public ecosystem in general. And so, you know, we do a lot of the work uh, is, is always collaborative in nature that we have, um, be it at all these different levels and across those three uh, ONC activities. And they're really, you know, again, to, to what Charles mentioned, and, and uh, you know, I've been here at ONC now um, 16 years, but who's counting, um, you know, toward these two objectives that uh, we focus on and we have a passion about uh, across our entire staff in terms of advancing health IT capabilities and establishing expectations for data sharing. So, you know, if you want to know what we're working on on a day-to-day -day basis, this is the one slide uh, that really gives you uh, a bird's eye view of what we focus on um, each day at ONC. So I wanted to talk to you in specific about uh, this new initiative that we started a couple months ago called Health Interoperability Outcomes 2030. And so there's a link up there to healthit.gov. Um, the one other thing, which it was great timing-wise for the, this weedy session in the summer forum, is that I get to talk to all the procrastinators out there, and I happened to tweet about that uh, the other day. Uh, so the submissions for this new initiative are due at the end of the week. So if you haven't put a thought down, if you haven't submitted something, if you haven't tweeted uh, back at us with that hashtag Health Interop 2030, uh, now's your chance. Um, so please take an opportunity to uh, submit your best thoughts around what interoperability should drive us toward uh, by before um, 2030. And, uh, you know, part of the focus, and there's a blog post about this uh, that you could consult as well, but just to give you the voiceover since you got me here, um, is, you know, we are at the beginning of a new decade. Uh, we're beginning at a, a new administration, and um, I think we all have that optimism now with vaccinations in place, and, and certainly, you know, the news isn't great in terms of the, the, the variants uh, as they stand right now, but uh, we expect to emerge from this, you know, stronger and with a lot more experience in a number of areas for health information exchange. And, um, you know, we'd like to know from everyone out there, what do you think 2030 should look like? Or what should we achieve before? And I want to emphasize that. We don't have to wait until 2030 to achieve so many things. Um, you know, what should we be working to try to achieve as a country, as a nation, uh, as a health IT ecosystem um, by and before 2030? And so in, in a lot of those uh, efforts and respects, uh, we wanted to give people a sense to, to shed some of those time-bounded uh, concerns, the, the um, you know, market issues, um, other types of regulatory and policy issues. You know, as a person who works on regulations on a daily basis, um, you know, it takes two to three years to get them in place, and then maybe another year or two from a compliance perspective. And then when you start to talk about something that is, you know, a decade long of a vision, uh, you've eaten up half of that already just with one regulatory cycle. And so uh, we wanted to give folks an opportunity to be a little bit more unbounded, to not have the same type of near-term impediments uh, that you would otherwise have in expressing what you think the future should look like. And so we tried to tee up a bit of a Mad Lib approach uh, where you can start off your sentence, you know, because of interoperability, buyer before 2030, you know, this will happen. Uh, this will be possible. 
this will be the thing that changes how um, interoperability happens across the country, uh, how interoperability affects my life. And I'll talk a little bit more about the, the submissions that we've received thus far and some, some of those thematic categories. And then, you know, another way to, to, to approach it would be to say, you know, because of interoperability, um, buyer before 2030, you know, blank, this category, this stakeholder, this group of individuals uh, will be able to do something else. Uh, that they can't yet achieve today, given the current state of uh, the market and our, our architecture and inter enterprise as a whole. Um, so here's your opportunity to uh, just think big, think bold, uh, think creative, and give us your best shot at, at what you think those outcome statements should look like. They can be a sentence or two. Uh, if you go to Twitter and you happen to be on, on social media, you know we have been putting out videos from um, you know experts in the field that have been willing to submit them. You're welcome to to reply and submit your own video if you'd like to do that too. Uh, any of those submissions are, are uh, equally um, able to, uh, to be part of the mix. Um, so I wanted to cover a, a bit of the themes just to give you a sense of, of where we see uh, folks going. And, um, you know, as our staff have started to, to, to really uh, chew through and, and triage uh, a lot of the submissions, I did also want to note um, we have gotten over, I think, well over 100 submissions now at this point, probably, you know, more than that. I've, I've, I hadn't gotten a, a recent count at this stage, uh, waiting, waiting to the end because uh, we know as many of you have submitted comments uh, on other things before. The last week or the last 24 hours is when you get that, 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 uh, that big bump and influx of uh, submissions before the deadline. Um, but largely what we're seeing is a pattern of I want outcome Y because I also want outcome X. And, you know, an example here that I want to try to frame in a more generic way is, you know, we saw that access to, you know, we call it EHI, which is electronic health information. I want access to electronic health information because I also want to, you know, have this kind of outcome improvement. And that's going to lead to or that's going to be because I see a vision where these two things are integrated or these two things have converged. And I'll talk, on, I'll talk a little bit about that theme uh, in the future as, as well um, in an upcoming slide. So as we start to look at the top four roll-ups, roll I'll call them, and these are you know broad categories, again, of, of where we see things thematically as the submissions have come in, uh, access to electronic health information. And so you know that's great to see as an opportunity because um, if we weren't getting that as a submission, that would mean that people um, generally wouldn't have had the same thoughts of, like, I want to put this data to work. And that's, again, one of the themes that I'm stealing Sunday from my slides uh, you know, that I have coming up is like, I want to do something with this data. We have it. It's digital. Let's do something real you know, with this data. And so we've seen a lot of submissions that, that focus on that. Uh, you see a new you know, evolution toward um, app-based economy, competition in the market, you know, new different types of tools, uh, both on the clinical side as well as self-management uh, for individuals and caregiving. Uh, you see a big focus on uh, improved health outcomes, and that ranges, you know, the entire spectrum, um, in inclusive of uh, a lot of equity-related uh, uh, work that has really ramped up you know, since the beginning of the year in the change of the administration, um, the price transparency and other types of transparency-focused uh, initiatives, and then, you know, lastly here, better coordinated care, and that, again, runs an entire spectrum, you know, across the care continuum as well. Uh, but the thing that I noticed as I, as I took a quick skim through a lot of submissions is, you know, a lot, a lot of folks made them personal, which I, I really appreciate because that gives us a raw sense of the emotion associated with these uh, outcome statements. So, you know, they do reflect a, a personal theme, a personal experience. Um, you can tell what people want 
you know, really discreetly out of some of these statements. And, you know, they also have a theme. And, and as, as Charles mentioned, you know, I'm a, a, a two-time dad. Um, and, you know, I live, thankfully, most of my experiences in the healthcare system are, are through the pediatric uh, ecosystem at this point. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot involved, you know, busy parents, uh, guilty as charged. Uh, lots of sports, lots of other things that we're doing. And so convenience is a real priority for me when it comes to my kids' care and getting access to their health information. Um, and, you know, we've been through that uh, cycle where, you know, we've had to go get COVID tests and, and things along uh, those lines. And so, you know, getting access to that electronically and being able to, you know, log into my, my kids' portal um, are, are very helpful. Uh, having access to an app, you know, that allows me to do that too, that my wife and I can, can both use. Uh, all of those things are conveniences that, you know, again, uh, we see an opportunity to improve that uh, in the future as well. And so, you know, then I guess a general sentiment analysis, and this is, you know, Steve's personal sentiment analysis algorithm, uh, you know, reading through those, is, is a lot of hope, you know, for the, the future of, of this decade, you know, again, as we look at it to, to what we want to achieve by, by the end of 2030, um, you know, hope for what we can do better. And I think I saw a lot of those thematically of like, yeah, you know, I'm able to do this right now, but if I could do, you know, one, two or three or X, Y, or Z or A, B or C, uh, those would really be those next steps uh, that people have laid out in their outcome statements. All right. So uh, I wanted to show a little bit of a, a pushpin here and, and just a reflection. Um, I originally started this slide just as a you are here type of thing as a, as a riff on, you know, like where, where, how far we've come already. And that's, that's one thing I wanted to acknowledge and just uh, identify for everybody is that we have made a ton of progress. When we look back, and I know it's, it, it's, uh, it's hard to see when you're in the moment and, you know, what you're fighting for and what you're, you're pushing forward each day. Uh, but when you look back between 2010 and 2020, uh, we made a significant amount of progress, uh, both on the clinical side and on the administrative side. A lot of growth in industry overall from a health IT perspective. And, you know, A, that starts with health IT adoption. You know, hospitals are well above uh, 90% from a, an electronic health record adoption perspective. Uh, the ambulatory side is not far behind anymore. Um, still a little bit of ways to go. Um, and, you know, we equally have uh, challenges in terms of where we're going there from a health IT adoption perspective, just to make sure that we fill in those gaps uh, from the care continuum, long-term post-acute care, mental health, behavioral health, you know, those care settings that did not receive incentives under the HITECH Act. Uh, are still, you know, lagging behind. And there's lots of work uh, that we're looking into, um, and certainly across the administration, in terms of how we can continue to, to, to raise all those votes. Um, information exchange, I already touched on the Trust Exchange Framework Common Agreement, but you see a lot, especially with the pressures of the pandemic, uh, health information exchange organizations, health information networks have really had an opportunity to, to flex their muscles and contribute to their communities. And, and that's a testament to, again, the past decade's worth of investment across all of those um, jurisdictions, communities, and, and just coordinated relationships that everyone in the, the stakeholder communities uh, put together uh, to make happen. You've got tech policy, which is, a, I like hyphenate words, um, kind of Shakespearean. I don't let English uh, hold me back. Um, so, uh, you know, information sharing in general, we've got the new law uh, in place from the 21st Century Cures Act. We're implementing regulations associated with uh, information sharing and the exceptions uh, to information blocking. And so that's going to have a substantial impact on the future as that, that applicability date has now passed uh, as of April 5th. Um, there are consequences, you know, for doing that. 
uh, engaging in information blocking. And so, you know, those are all things that are going to start to shape the market in, in a much more uh, substantial way as well. And I, I normally try not to, to do acronyms without their abbreviations, but, um, you know, the U.S. Core Data for Interoperability, uh, something we just released, uh, version two, as part of our annual cycle. Uh, and that's something that we're going to continue to push forward uh, as we uh, move into the future uh, throughout the, this decade as well. Uh, but that really sets the foundation again for uh, application programming-based uh, access, so the, the Firebase APIs that we've included in our regulatory um, paradigm now, you know, those are going to come online and uh, be available for both clinical use, for patient use, for um, uses for individual uh, uh, patient data, as well as for uh, bulk data, um, which you can see, you know, as you know, beneficiary analysis, population health analyses, public health analyses, all of those are going to, you know, start to become more possible, more standardized, uh, more available uh, to the healthcare ecosystem in general. And then, you know, for all of you that have been, you know, part of the, the WIDI ecosystem, uh, you know, there are a ton of payment policy changes, uh, both at the clinical and provider level, as well as at the payer level, um, in terms of, you know, new responsibilities from uh, the whole payment ecosystem. And then, uh, you know, certainly, uh, at the, the, the you are here moment, we have lots of investments in, in public health and changing the way that public health infrastructure uh, is uh, being approached in general. And so, you know, we have um, an executive order from President Biden around having a data-driven uh, public health uh, ecosystem, and that's ongoing work that uh, ONC is involved in, CDC, uh, certainly, as our uh, colleagues and sister agency in the department, among many other agencies at HHS uh, that are all working on uh, how to advance uh, the public health infrastructure and the way in which HHS approaches public health in general. So, you know, as we shift from the here to where we're going, uh, as I mentioned before, as I look forward to it, uh, and the things that really get me excited about the work that we have ahead of us is, is putting data to work. And really using and, and, and really starting to leverage the uh, data that's now available uh, in uh, electronic health records, health IT, vis-a-vis -vis these application programming interfaces and new standards that have been put into place, um, we can do some really cool stuff. And I'm actually going to jump down to this, these next two here. Is you know I know you've got automation on the agenda later. Uh, super excited about lots of potential there, either, you know, full automation from a clinical burden reduction perspective, semi-automation, uh, uh, lots of opportunities to, um, you know, not put people out of jobs, but to give them the higher performing, higher quality, higher care delivery opportunities in the healthcare system and let computers do what they're really good at doing. Uh, and, and so I think there's lots of opportunities now that we've got better standardized data more electronic data to really push on uh, and expand, you know, our, our uh, platform for automation opportunities. And so, you know, some of the ones that I, I usually um, pick on is, you know, clinical knowledge. And so that's a, a full expanse of uh, clinical decision support, how, you know, clinical decision support services are made available. And that's really a blending into, you know, as you look at, at some of the prior public health responses that we had uh, that are still pretty fresh for me. You know, the recent Ebola, uh, one that we had a couple, a few years ago, Zika as well, uh, there was a discrete need to push out authoritative clinical guidance out to the clinical community. And we have electronic health records, we have connect, network connectivity, and we have better opportunities to do that now to make sure 
that everyone across the healthcare ecosystem has the most up-to-date, best available information about um, clinical protocols, how to, to engage with individuals when they come in for care, uh, other types of tests or information that, that they should be aware of. Um, all of those things are, are things that we can do in healthcare that we experience in other situations uh, in, in different parts of, of industry today. Uh, all of you that have gotten those, you know, credit card fraud alerts, you know, I recently got one of those of like 81 cents from some dental office I never, you know, heard of. Uh, that's automation. You know, they sent me a text. I sent them a text back that said, you know, I didn't charge this. And I got a new credit card in the mail, you know, a few days later. Um, that's the type of uh, just, you know, simple example where, um, you know, we just have boundless opportunities in healthcare to change the way uh, that we automate things and that we engage in the use of computers uh, and clinical data and um, just making our healthcare providers, health professionals, uh, superpowers. And that's really what I look at when I do it in a colloquial way is to say, like, any doctor that I go to, I want them to have the most accurate information available. I want them to have all of my information available to them. I want them to have, you know, analytics and algorithms that are running in the background uh, that are available to them that help them, you know, keep current and uh, provide me the best care possible. And so I call that a lot of times, you know, real feel interoperability. When are people going to feel the difference between, you know, fact-based data exchange and, uh, you know, the potential that we have ahead of them for, uh, Actual system-to-system, electronic health record, network-based uh, interoperability, um, patient-engaged interoperability, and that gets that patient experience perspective, you know, bi-directional exchange between patients and their care teams. Uh, all of those lead toward convergence points where um, many of you through the Weedy uh, are involved in the clinical and administrative uh, convergence, and I think there's lots of work, you know, lots of work there that's going to happen in the next decade. Uh, that's an opportunity where you see NCVHS, our HITAC, uh, Health IT Advisory Committee, uh, work that ONC is doing in general uh, with our colleagues at CMS to advance the uh, convergence of clinical and administrative data exchange. And then you've got clinical and research, right? All of us, um, you know, would love to have uh, better opportunities, um, you know, for those of you that are in, you know, the clinical research uh, field, getting people enrolled, making them uh, um, aware of clinical trials or clinical studies that may be available to them. Uh, those are things you can do with automation and with the right amount of, of digital data is to keep people informed. And then uh, lastly, uh, another opportunity for this decade is around the convergence between healthcare delivery, clinical services, and human services, right, for just total person care. Uh, there's lots of work, you know, being part of the Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, there's numerous components to agencies that we have on the human services side that are really um, you know, providing a lot of effectively at this point, you know, contributions to the healthcare delivery side too. And so, you know, for those of you that are looking at social determinants of health, uh, other particular, um, you know, equity issues and, and just disparities uh, as a whole, uh, this convergence between health and human services and the data that would be shared between them is going to be really important over the next several years. Okay. So just two quick public service announcements. Um, Many of you may be familiar with the, the usual summer soiree that we have, the ONC Tech Forum. Um, it is virtual this year again, and uh, given all the, the different um, holidays that happen in September and, and availability of platforms, as uh, I'm sure the, you know Michael and the Weedy staff know, uh, we're actually doing uh, Forum Friday now, as I take it to calling it. Uh, so September 10th and September 17th are going to be when we have the two uh, ONC Tech Forum days. Our registration should be opening today. 
Uh, so keep a lookout on the, the ONCE blast. And so uh, the other one thing I did want to highlight for everyone, uh, for those of you as part of your day jobs, if you're focused on workforce development or you know colleagues that are in uh, the workforce development uh, space, uh, ONC received some uh, grant funding uh, through the uh, American Rescue Plan to um, focus on public health informatics and technology workforce. So the application due date is coming up at the beginning of August. Uh, you can go to healthit.gov to check that out. And uh, with that, uh, as I mentioned, I want to keep everybody on time. Um, certainly, if you want to contact ONC, you can check out our website. If you've got uh, an information blocking related complaint, just say that. Uh, you can do that through the Health IT feedback form. You can check us out on Twitter. And uh, with that, I will um, stop my share here and turn it back over to uh, Charles and Michael um, and um, wrap things up. Great. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Um, and uh, just a couple of questions if, if we have a couple of minutes. Um, uh, one question is, can you talk a bit more about how you're reviewing the submissions and whether they will be collated for public consumption in any way? Yeah, absolutely. That was a, a great question. I'm, I'm uh, uh, sorry I didn't get to that as part of my, uh, my prepared remarks. So um, as the comments suggest, and as I alluded to, you know, we've gotten over well over 100 submissions at this point. And so my expectation and, and just set expectations for everybody is, you know, we're going to come up with a prioritized set. And my hope is that in this case, uh, we'll be doing um, a lot more lumping than splitting uh, and trying to find common themes about how um, those outcome statements have been submitted. And we'll, we'll wind up doing a, a bit of a kind of mashup of, um, you know, outcome statements that we receive from individuals that we think will be ones that can serve as, um, I, I describe this as like a pull through, right? It'll, it'll take you know, 20 or 30 like-themed or common-themed outcomes and, and really pull them through in a common thread to a larger outcome statement uh, that is representative of that category as a whole. So ultimately, um, you know, hard to, to say at this stage until we get all the submissions in, but um, we do want to make it available for public consumption. Um, you know, this is one of those things where you're like, this should be about, you know, five pages or so, maybe a little bit longer if we include some narrative. Um, and then, you know, the number of outcome statements can't be too many because um, if we did, you know, five or six categories and we had five or six, you know, a piece, if I still know how to do my, my multiplication, you know, we've got 25 to 36, uh, you know, type of outcome statements. And that's, that's quite a bit. Um, and those, again, just to, to set the stage for everyone, are um, those are outcome statements for the nation, not just ONC. They, they wouldn't be outcome statements that, that ONC says, Okay, everybody, thank you very much. You know, these are the 30 things that we are going to take on. It is more a, you know, kind of national representative uh, set of outcome statements that we're going to say, you know, we, we did this, this uh, open public process, you know, this crowdsourced uh, submissions, and this is what resonated most with everyone about the outcomes that we should be driving toward and uh, would love to see, you know, people orient their work and attribute their work to these outcome statements in the future. So um, th thank you again, Steve, for uh, joining us today, for sharing um, your views. This has been the collective voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast, where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Find this episode and many more on our website, weedy.org. Thank you for joining us, and be safe.